I'm Linda Kieschnick with Lazy L in Letbetter, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. Time again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we're talking the cattle business. I've spent the entire week here in Houston at the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. And we have a lot of news to bring you. To be honest, I've probably done more interviews than I can actually ever bring you here on Texas Ag Today, but we'll do our best today and in the coming weeks to bring you all of the news coming out of this 2022 Cattle Industry Convention. And we'll have one of those stories coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Like ag producers everywhere, Texas High Plains farmers are trying to figure out ways to work around the input nightmare. An event coming up next week could help them find some answers. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. First-time buyers of rural land in Texas need to consider a number of factors before purchasing, including the location of the land. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall. We'll talk a little bit about the weather. It hasn't been too rough up to now. Hay is plentiful. Prices on livestock are really good. A lot of meetings coming up that we must attend to get some good information. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We are winding down the cattle industry convention here in Houston with cattle producers from all over the nation here in Texas. Jerry Bone is a cattle feeder from Wichita, Kansas. He's wrapping up his term as president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Bone says one of the highlights of his term has been the work the industry has done to improve price discovery and transparency especially here in our part of the country. You know, the marketing situation has been controversial for a couple of years now. Uh, NCBA went to work last year, in the past year working on trying to increase the amount of negotiated trade that was taking place, particularly in Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Kansas. And I believe we accomplished that, the volumes of negotiated trade. And we had a, a pretty marked increase in the amount of negotiated grid trading that took place. And so... Uh, whether it's a cash trade or a grid tra- type trade, uh, if it's negotiated, that's positive. And I think we call we were able to call the attention of the industry that here was a problem that needed some solutions or some help. And I think we accomplished that. Bone says he's also proud of the work NCBA did to protect the estate tax exemption and to promote the message of sustainability in the beef industry. 
The Beef Checkoff is well represented here in Houston. Brad Hastings is co-CEO of Cactus Feeders in Amarillo, and he also chairs the Federation of State Beef Councils, the organization tasked with spending the Beef Checkoff. He says a primary focus of the checkoff this past year has been on research. You know, we do a lot of research with the checkoff dollars, um, and and that's foundational. So, you know, we want to make sure that we have the facts and the science and the information behind us as we then try to push messages out. Um, so, for example, there is beef as a first food was something that's come out here this last year. And what that really did is, is through information and work we did, actually have the National Dietary Guidelines has actually endorsed meat dense foods like beef suitable for kids as young as six months of age. Hastings says there's a continuous plan of beef promotion going on, promoting beef sustainability through social media and in e-commerce. The latest USDA cattle inventory report came out this week showing a 2% decline in the number of cattle in the U.S. Here in Texas, we're seeing an even bigger drop in cattle numbers. The Texas cattle inventory now stands at 12.7 million head. That's down 3% from last year. Texas continues to rank first in the nation in the total number of cattle and calves, with 14% of the nation's cattle herd here in the Lone Star State. Texas High Plains farmers are trying to find a way to work around the input nightmare. James Hunt tells us an event coming up next week may help them find some answers. Coming up next week, Texas A&M AgriLife is offering a special program in Canyon that Randall County Extension agent J.D. Ragland says will address what has become a major issue for agriculture. As we look at the 2022 upcoming crop season, there's not a row crop producer out there or any producer for that matter that's not concerned about the increase in input cost as they look towards fertilizers, uh, fuel, uh, we look at chemical herbicides and insecticides. So it is a huge topic right now and producers are wondering where can we cut and how can we still afford to make a profit with some of the input cost increase dollar wise. So that's really a huge concern. I'm not saying producers have never crossed that bridge before, but this year it seems to be escalated. To help producers develop strategies, AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez will be giving a presentation at the meeting, which is being called the Input Impact Conference. It's taking place Tuesday, February 8th at 9 a.m. at the Extension Office in Canyon. Also on the agenda is a marketing outlook by AgriLife Risk Management Specialist D.D. Jones, a presentation by A&M economist John Robinson on what to anticipate for the cotton market this year, and for those interested, there will also be an auction training after lunch. Once again, that's Tuesday, February 8th in Canyon. It's free to attend and open to everyone, but AgriLife is requesting an RSVP to help with the meal count. So, if you're interested in going, contact the Randall County Extension Office before 5 p.m. Friday, February 4th. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are several things that first-time buyers of rural Texas land need to keep in mind. Tom Nicoletti has the story. For a look at what first-time buyers ought to keep in mind, we go to Tyler Jacobs. He is with Hall & Hall LLP out of College Station. He is partner broker with that company. Now, Tyler, there are a few considerations that people need to be aware of and think through before they go out and buy land for the first time. One of those is the location that they choose. 
Absolutely, Tom. You know, we're we're in an unprecedented market with such limited inventory out there, so few options for, for buyers to consider. And, you know, it seems like the first criteria uh, people start with is location. It is certainly the right way to go. And and so many of our of our purchases nowadays have a recreational component and uh, making sure you know what your goals are as far as you know how and when you're going to use the property really determine the location and over a 20 plus year career of selling rural land in texas one of the things i've found as a pattern is that if it's over about two hours away and you, you intend to use it as a weekend property you really need to start evaluating whether or not that's going to fit. So I always advise people, if it's a weekend property, you know, try to keep it within two hours of where you live, and, and that'll make sure that you use that property to its fullest extent and, and most enjoyment. The intended use and cost of ownership of newly purchased rural land are other considerations. Tyler Jacobs of Holland Hall will be back on our next program to discuss use of the new land. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Up until this week, the winter weather hasn't been all that bad in East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. Here in East Texas, we always talk about the weather, and this is what the deal is. The winter's been rough, but not as rough as last year so far. The forage that we produce plentiful. We've had to feed a little extra mineral with some of it until the winter pastures get into really good position, but they're coming on rapidly now. We've had plenty of moisture, so that's built back up. Now then, we've got some meetings coming up that are most important to us here in the area also. As a matter of fact, we have the Longview and Marshall Beekeeping Association. Beekeeping has really grown popular here in this area over the last few years with the colony collapse that we had been going on for several years actually and uh, now we're getting back into the production and there's a lots of interest in building our bees back up here in the area the livestock markets well it seems like the market was picked up a little bit when we cranked back up in 2022 a dime or two here makes a big difference especially on those lighter weight calves and we had to sell some of them off to kind of uh, get things straight in the pasture for our cows and our calves that are coming on now heavier weight cattle are doing real good right now in East Texas. Now, some of the things that we have to consider when we go into these meetings also is the fact that we get our continuing education units built up for the renewal of our pesticide license, which are very important to us. Everybody's got to have those licenses in order to use the chemicals that we use in forage production and crop growing nowadays. The Harrison County Master Gardeners Association will have a tree giveaway Saturday, February 5th. That's a long, a little ways off yet, but if you'd like some trees, get a hold of your local county agent. He can tell you how you can get involved and get all of that because you can get some new trees for your landscape or just for putting in new trees. Sometimes that just takes a place. Another thing that you need to be checking on in the rural areas of Texas right now, check with your local county agents on all the scholarships available to your young people. We have a great time coming up here in Harrison County later on, and we are now in that mood to get our kids signed up for application for these scholarships. So that's going to just about wrap us up from East Texas. This is James Duncan reporting. Enrollment is underway in a nationwide program that helps protect wildlife habitat. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a lot of horses have their hooves trimmed incorrectly. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas veterinary students, the Texas Farm Bureau wants to help you complete your degree. This year, the Texas Farm Bureau is offering four $10,000 scholarships to second and third year veterinary students in a professional DVM program in Texas. Applicants must plan to enter a rural or food animal practice in Texas after finishing their degree. Applications are due March 1st. For more information, visit texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Lots of horses have their hooves trimmed incorrectly. Dr. Bob Judd says that's because farriers can't see inside the hoof, but x-rays can be helpful. If your horse has some foot issues, asking your farrier to trim the feet without x-rays is really putting your farrier in a bad position. The farrier wants to do the best job possible, but without x-rays, they are trimming blind because no one can determine the location of the coffin bone inside the hoof, and this determines how to trim the foot. Now, I'm not saying x-rays are needed for trimming all horses, as this is certainly not the case. However, if the horse has issues with the feet, like navicular disease, laminitis or founder, bruised or thin soles or low heels, x-rays will help your farrier do a better job. I know x-rays are an added expense, but you have to decide if you want the foot trimmed correctly or for the farrier to guess how to trim the foot. And regardless how experienced the farrier is, they do not have x-ray vision. One of the conditions that is critical to have x-rays is laminitis, and the foot should be marked properly to highlight the dorsal hoof wall and the apex of the frog. X-rays without these markings are not very helpful, as the farrier is still guessing about the trimming. It is important in these cases to trim the toe short as possible and realign the hoof with the bone inside the hoof, and x-rays are required to see the bone. Any farrier that tells you x-rays are not needed to trim a foundered horse should not be trimming these horses. The same thing goes for navicular disease and low heels, as you must know the position of the bone to trim correctly. Most of the time, your vet and farrier can work together for the benefit of the horse and can eliminate the egos that sometimes make vet and farrier relationships very difficult. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Enrollment is underway in a nationwide program that helps protect wildlife habitat. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has reopened sign-up for a program that helps prevent the loss of wildlife habitat across the United States. It is called the Conservation Reserve Program, or CRP. Contracts for land enrolled in CRP are from 10 to 15 years in length. The long-term goal of the program, according to the Farm Service Agency, is to reestablish valuable land cover to help improve water quality, prevent soil erosion, and reduce the loss of wildlife habitat. Zach Ducheneau, FSA Administrator, says this year CRP has been changed to entice more landowners to sign up. Adding an inflationary adjustment one time for the life of the contract, and that would increase program payments and ideally encourage more land enrollment. We also adjusted several county rental rates. In CRP grasslands, we established a minimum rental rate of $15 per acre. Farmers have until March 11th to apply for general CRP. Grassland CRP sign-up begins April 4th. 
The idea is that we have the time for producers to reposition themselves should their enrollment offer not be accepted, to take advantage or consider at least the CRP grasslands program. Again, the deadline for farmers to apply for general CRP is now March 11th. Enroll at your local FSA office. Call ahead as appointments may be required. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market traded higher for most of the session on Thursday, but we ended up closing mostly lower. However, we did see another big jump in the cotton market. We'll update all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. If you're a teacher, the Texas Farm Bureau is inviting you to join us for Ag Literacy Week coming up March 21st through the 25th in conjunction with National Ag Week. We want your help to inspire students to learn more accurate information about agriculture and connect it to what they're learning in the classroom. We're inviting kindergarten through fifth grade teachers across the state to join us in increasing agriculture literacy in the classroom by reading an educational accurate ag book called Full of Beans, Henry Ford Grows a Car. Here's how it works. Sign up by February 11th at texasfarmbureau.org. You'll receive your free book in the mail by March 18th. Read your book to your class during National Ag Week. Then submit a picture of you reading the book to your class on social media to be entered into a drawing for prizes. It's a free program for kindergarten through fifth grade teachers. Sign up now at texasfarmbureau.org. The sign-up deadline is February 11th. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We've seen some strong gains in the cattle market this week. We actually traded higher throughout most of the session on Thursday, but near the close, things turned around, and we ended up closing lower on all except the nearby February live cattle contract. February live cattle up 47 to close at 141.60. The deferred contracts lower with April down 15, 146.75. June down 10 cents at 141.52. The feeder market closing slightly lower. March feeder cattle down 15 at 166.72. April down 2, 171.80. While May feeder cattle were down 12, 165.62. Cash-fed cattle market this week, selling cattle on a live basis from 138 to 142, depending on where you're at. Of course, that higher 142 price coming up north in Nebraska and Iowa. Down here in the south, we've seen cattle sell for around 140 in Kansas. Here in Texas, Texas cattle feeders reporting a handful of cattle sold at 138 and a quarter. We did have the online fed cattle exchange selling on Thursday. They sold 465 head of Texas cattle. All of those cattle brought 140. Boxed beef prices were lower on Thursday. Choice down $1.09 at 28206. Select down 243 277.14. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, I think I hear some sheep and goats. They were in the alleyway on Tuesday at Gillespie Livestock Fredericksburg, and Wayne and Sean did a good job selling them. 
Let's go to Wayne right now and see how it turned out. Wayne, how did they sell? Ended up right at 2,000, Larry. So, you know, they came in pretty good this morning. The goat market is probably about steady. Uh, the better didn't have really a lot of the real, real good kids, but the better ones sure bring uh, uh, 60 pounders around. Four dollars up to four twenty-five. Now the fifteen forty-five pounders bring up to five dollars, and the little ones bring up over six dollars. Uh, the nanny's real active on the nanny's real lots of activity there. Almost any kind of nanny has had you know that would they would bring over two dollars with some uh, you know decent packer nannies up to two sixty or seventy, and even some uh, stocker nannies up over three dollars. The lambs and sheep sale. The lambs were probably ten or so dollars cheaper. Didn't see many four dollar lambs. I saw some feeder kids and stuff or feeder lambs bring up to four and a half. But most of the fifty pound lambs bring somewhere around three eighty to four ten. With the sixty to seventy pound lambs bringing three seventy five right on top of four dollars. So that was a little bit softer uh, than we've been seeing, but it's still really, really good. They're practically used most around two dollars. Some a little more than that. Look like the bucks bringing about the same. You know, big old bucks bringing 150 to 200 pounds bringing that out over 400 dollars. As a whole, it was real good. We were satisfied and went, got by real good. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of y'all, Wayne guys. What? 830-997-4394. Neighbor looks to me like that's it for walking the pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day to you. The hog market was lower Thursday, February lean hogs down 90 cents, 86.45, April down 75 at 98.37. Class 3 milk was mixed, February milk up 14 at 20.45 a hundred weight, while March milk was down 18, 21.33 a hundred. We saw triple-digit gains in old crop cotton on Thursday. Coming on the heels of USDA's weekly export report, it showed shipments of 300,000 bales, That's a marketing year high. March cotton up 129 points to close at 127.62. October cotton up 108, 109.08, while December cotton was up 93 points, 103.88. The corn market closed lower on news that China has canceled previous corn purchases of 14.96 million bushels. That caused March corn to drop five and three quarters, six sixteen and three quarters. New crop September corn down four, five seventy nine and three quarters. The wheat market finishing mixed. July Kansas City wheat up a quarter penny, seven seventy four and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down two and three quarters, seven fifty two and a quarter. In the energy markets, March natural gas down fifty seven cents at four ninety three. March crude oil up $1.86, 9012 a barrel. The financial markets lower Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 518 points, 35,111. The Nasdaq down 538 points at 13,878. The S&P down 111 points, 4,477. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. 
Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.